One of the psalmists declared, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We don't know much about that psalmist, but we know that uh, he was in exile. He was far away from home. He probably had gone through times of crises and death and loss, but yet on one day he spoke a truth that was bigger than how he felt about the week's experience. He said, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We begin with a hymn of praise and rejoicing. Let's stand together and sing. Please join me in the litany of invitation and confession. We gather to worship God. Some of us are young, others of us are old. All of us are God's children. Regardless of our age, we need God's steadfast love. May God give us energy and focus, mercy and faith, wisdom and vision, most of all, love. We come to worship rejoicing, seeking, searching, professing, and confessing. Like children, we make mistakes. We have made poor choices. We ask for God's forgiveness and the opportunity of a fresh start. Sisters and brothers, God meets us where we are. God has forgiven. 
given us. God makes possible a new beginning. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church. During the summer months, we meet over here in the chapel, which is a little more intimate than the big house and the larger sister next door. It gives us an opportunity to hear the vitality of our singing and also to experience the intimacy of our fellowship. So welcome to the worship of God. If you're a guest here today, there is on the edge of your order of service a welcome card for you. Uh, if you would take a moment to complete that, it'll help me connect name and face with you. And then for any in the congregation, there is on the back a place where you can place prayer requests. It is an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you each week by name and by need. And so if you'd like to place a prayer concern on there, do that as well and drop that in the offering plate. Well, as we gather today, we have a lot on our hearts and minds, but also we have the presence of God with us as we share together. The scriptures that uh, I've selected that, that we'll be reading today all go with the presentation that Larry McSwain made earlier uh, this morning when he presented on the summer's topic of aging. Now, that may not apply to everybody here, but it does apply to everybody here because we're all aging. Those are the scriptures as we think about what is a spirituality of aging, and I'm going to try to preach on that. And Larry, they may hear some of the same things that you said this morning. I'm going to say again. We tune our hearts to hear these scriptures. We tune our hearts to sing God's praise. Welcome to the worship of God. give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night to the music of the lute and the harp to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. In old age, they still produce fruit. They are always green and full of sap, showing that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. There is no unrighteousness in him. Here ends the first lesson. And now let us pray. 
Almighty God, it is right to give you thanks and praise. In summer, as we feel the warmth of the sun and are refreshed by the rains, we see bounteous harvests and lush flowers and trees. These are evidence that you planned for the sustenance of the created world, even as you brought it into being. We are grateful for the abundance with which you have blessed us, your creatures. We pray for wisdom and the will to properly care for the earth and to equitably share its resources. Generous God, you have also endowed each of us with gifts that enable us to live lives of purpose and fulfillment. Give us wisdom in discerning these gifts so that they are not wasted. Teach us to be nurturing and faithful in relationships so that we may know the comfort of commitment and the joy of love. Give us eyes to see our neighbors, understanding to offer meaningful support. May we seek ways to contribute to our communities and the world, using our talents and time to strengthen neighborhoods, churches, and those organizations that seek the betterment of all. And guide us in our spiritual growth. While we would wish to love unconditionally as do children, may we grow into a faith that will sustain us when we face the regrets of the past and the challenges that lie ahead. Caring God, we ask especially that you be present with those in our church who suffer declining health, the loss of loved ones, struggles with jobs, hurtful relationships, and other painful circumstances. May they feel the compassion and concern of this caring community, even as you enfold them in your loving arms. We have had good news this week of one able to leave the ICU, another going home from extended care, and a new baby born to one of our families. We are grateful. Thank you for loving us. And hear this prayer that we pray in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father. God gives us and grows us in Christ and we mature in love. A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, 
to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. Here ends the second lesson. Children, if you would come forward at this time. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to be with you. I haven't done a children's sermon in a while, so I'm, I'm a little nervous. Is that going to be okay? We can be together in our nervousness, can't we? We're talking about aging today, okay? The news is in. Daddy likes to play outside. That's good. I want to show you some pictures today. I want to ask you this first one. Who do you think this is? This is an old baby picture. Anybody want to take a guess who this is? Mary Frances, do you know? Who is that? Your big aunt. It's, it's, it's me. This is my baby picture taken a long time ago. Do you know who was president when... My baby picture was taken? Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, who was a member of this church, the President of the United States. He was president back then. Now, if you want to find out what age people are, you don't have to ask them how old are you. You can just say, who was president when you were born? That's one way of getting around that. We all have baby pictures. In fact, you know that I brought a very special picture of a young man. I'm going to ask you this. This one's in black and white, okay? This one over here, it says Jor L on it. Who do you think that is? That's Superman's daddy. That's right. <laughs> Nailed it. Very good, young man. You are you're batting a thousand this morning. That is Pastor James when he was a little boy. Pastor James, how old were you when this picture was taken? Five years old. And then to the right of Pastor James is Superman's son, Cal L. And who was that, Pastor James? And is there another Superman on top? Three generations of Superman. Isn't that amazing? And now you've seen both the pastor's baby pictures this morning. Well, I want to show you another baby picture. Did you know that we, uh, in our congregation, one of our members just gave birth to a new baby, okay? This is Brian and Jen Knight with their new baby, Julia, 
Marie. Isn't that beautiful? Brand new. She was just born on Friday. This was taken in a hospital. If they own a hospital, we need to talk to them. <laughs> that would be breaking news indeed. Isn't this beautiful? She's only three days old, and, and all of us have aged at different times. I, you saw my baby picture. I've aged so much that I do crazy things, like I go whitewater rafting occasionally. I get in the water around scary rocks, you know. And just the other day, I went and, see, I went and saw Gene Ledbetter, who's been a member of our church for over 50 years, I believe. And Gene painted this painting. Isn't this great, congregation? The reviews are in. I think it's great, and it brings him much joy. And you know what we said earlier? Do you remember in our litany, we said some of us are young, other of us are old, but all of us are God's children. Amen? And that's the sermon today. It doesn't matter... What age you are. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you are God's child. Can I get an amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us, no matter what age we are. Amen. Uh, it is entitled, O Lord, Our God, whom all throughout life we praise, as year by year days add to numbered days, with each we prove the wonder of your ways, while still adoring each new song we raise. That's the new song we'll sing. Let's stand and sing it together.
love of God opens our hearts to the life of God. A reading from the Gospel according to John. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can he enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of flesh is flesh, and what is born of spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I say to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you've been in my study, the office just behind this door, you've seen the menagerie and the museum of odd stuff that I have in there. It is a collection over the years and various things, all the way from uh, comic book stuff to uh, cow horns that uh, we used to use in hunting back in Louisiana, all the way to old books and new books. And one of the things I have on the shelves there is the toolbox that belonged to my grandfather. The toolbox is 100 years old. It has his signature on it. He was a carpenter. He was a blacksmith. He was a farmer. And for a while, he was the night marshal in our little town of Arcadia. The tools that he had in that toolbox, I still have, and it helps me think about him. <coughs> also, this picture helps me think. I know many of you can't see this, but it's a picture of my grandfather, whom I call Papaw. Papaw's here in the middle wearing his regular uniform, which was blue jeans. His other uniform was uh, uh, denim and khaki and such as that. 
But here he is, taken uh, a picture of long ago, uh, next to evidently a newborn calf. This would have been the latest milk cow in a long lineage of milk cows that served the family well. I don't know, a few months old. It looks like the picture was taken in the springtime to me. That's the cow over there. Over here is this kid in red overalls. I'm the kid in the red overalls. I'm three years old in this picture. And when you look up close, it's like Papa has said to me, it's okay to pet the cow. Because I've reached over to do so. And about the time I'm doing it, the cow throws her head up and I think licks Papa in the face. Papa's head moves a bit and my hand flinches some. All this is a little bit of a blur, so it's like a, a, a movie inside uh, a moment. I really don't think a lot about this picture, except I did one week ago today. Because one week ago today, I turned 65 years old. I joined the 10,000, Larry, that you mentioned this morning, that every day turn 65. Now, the interesting thing about this picture is that, let's see, if I'm three years old there, and that would have been about 1956, and let's see, Papa dies when he was 80, uh, naught times naught is aught times Jerry the three, a little Jethro Bodine math there, you know, uh, equals Papa in this picture was 65 years old. If Papa in the picture is the same age I am today, and in the picture, I am the same age my granddaughter is today. She's three years old. And as I sat and looked at this picture a week ago, it was one of those moments of seeing, like maybe Papa did, that he lives between times, between nature that nourishes him and the future that will follow him. And so it is for all of us. Maybe that's what pushed Nicodemus to go talk to Jesus that night. Maybe he had just fed the milk cow in the barn, and then he had told his three-year-old granddaughter a story about Miriam, who was the courageous sister of Moses, puts her to bed, but then puts on his robe. He's going out. Wife says, where are you going, hon? He goes, well, I'm, I'm going to go talk to, to a rabbi. Oh, really? Uh, maybe Methuselah? <laughs> no, he says. I'm going to talk to a rabbi about getting old. I'm going to talk to a young rabbi named Jesus. The topic today is going to be about aging. I don't know who, it was, who said it, but it's an irony that all of us want to live a long life, but nobody wants to grow old. It is an irony, but maybe the story of Nicodemus can give us a, a narrative lens into a spirituality of maturity. It could just be that that might change how we parent this week, how we put our kids to bed, how we lead in our families. It may even change that we go down to the hooch and pull some of the plastic bottles out so it doesn't kill the wildlife. Being responsible, having a spirituality of maturity might just change how we relate to our grandkids this week, whatever a spiritual maturity is. Whatever it is, I think we sure need it this day, these days. Don't you? I mean, don't you? Um, we who are parents or grandparents, which leader, uh, global 
or local or national do you point to and say, now that is a mature person. That is a mature leader. To me, it seems like we have a lack of maturity these days. Is there a tariff on maturity? Just, I don't know. Maybe there's a new one installed that no one told me about. It looks like it's up to us. We who are Christian types who are in church today to be responsible for our own spiritual maturity. And that's what we worked on this week. In the pastor's Bible study on Wednesday, we talk, took on the task of the spirituality of maturity. And I asked them what might be the earmarks of that. From what they said in the study, they came up with basically three things. Here's the first one. The spirituality of maturity would involve the longing to keep leaning and learning about God, leaning into God, learning about God, longing. I don't know what it was that pushed uh, old Nicodemus to go see Jesus at night, but John the writer makes sure we know that it is at night. Of course, John is, is, uh, does a lot with double entendres, that night had descended on the soul of Nicodemus as well as the sun had set, and he went to Jesus by night. And the first question he ends up asking Jesus that you heard Jackie read was, how can a man be born again when he is old? And the word there could actually be translated old man. How do you be born again when you're an old man? I did dust off my Greek New Testament and looked up that word. And the word there for old or old man only appears that time in all the New Testament. And you won't believe what it is. You can connect the dots. Here it is in Greek. It's geron. Like gerontology. Like a gerontologist. Like gerontology theology. How can a man be born again when he has grown old and should go see a gerontologist? Well, the main thing that I see about this longing is that he has a sense of humility. It's also seemingly a thing that's lacking these days. But here is Nicodemus, who is a member, of, who is a Supreme Court judge. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, 70 men, 70 married men, who were the final authority for the people of Israel headquartered there in Jerusalem. He was of that class, and yet here this older man of prestige, a Supreme Court judge, has gone to see a young law school student named Jesus, this new rabbi, and see what he could learn from life about him. Whatever else the spirituality and maturity involves, it's this longing, it's humility, and uh, I thought about a book that many of us read uh, years ago. Did you read Tuesdays with Maury? Remember that book, Tuesdays with Maury, by Jeff Albloom, who was a sports writer, but Maury was one of his college professors, a mentor of his, and, and Maury was dying. And he died over a period of maybe 16, 18 weeks, and every week was a little different. Every Tuesday, Maury, uh, uh, Mitch would go see Maury, and he would journal about it. And there came the day, I remember, that when Mitch showed up and said, how are you doing, Maury? He says, well, things are different this week. I've uh, needed to start wearing diapers. And Mitch said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And Maury said, oh, it's not that big a thing. 
I've done it before. One of the things we talked about on Wednesday is this thing of dependency, that none of us who have become adults want to be dependent in a childlike way again, and yet, one, that's a prerequisite for entering the realm of God and celebrating the presence of God, and two, that is, a, is as human as it was when we were one and two years old, a longing to keep learning about God, a humility about that. The second thing is about a spirituality of maturity, it takes courage, courage amid change. As everybody said around the table, aging is not for the faint of heart, and you know that to be so. Larry referenced several good books this morning. This is the Harvard study that he mentioned a few times. It's called Aging Well by a Dr. Vallant. Dr. Vallant. Harvard studied uh, aging over the same people for 50 years. They started 60 years ago, the book's about 10 years old, and picked students and those who were late teens and in their 20s and then kept up with them for 50 years. It's the most thorough ongoing study of aging that has ever been attempted by the Harvard School of Medicine. From it, there are six or seven things that he, the author, gleaned. Uh, two of them I'll share. Here's one of them. He says that objective physical health is less important than our subjective uh, good health. In other words, how we think we are is more important than how we are diagnosed to be. It's not our diagnoses physically, our uh, prognoses physically, it's how we think about ourselves that makes for uh, healthy aging, he says. I thought often about uh, my conversations with Wilton Looney and conversations with Wilton about Linton Bishop and how Wilton would talk about Wilton has so many things wrong with him. He's got this, and he's got that. And he mentioned all the different diagnoses and how Wilton's life seemed to get smaller. He was able to work and practice, then he wasn't able to practice, then he wasn't able to walk, then he was in a wheelchair. And in a way, by some measurement, his life got smaller. But yet, Wilton said, but, but Linton never complained. But it was something about his attitude about life that changed his health more than the prognoses, the diagnoses did. I think of that regarding Nicodemus as well. Here was this older man. I can imagine he's at least graying at the temples. I can imagine him around the campfire with Jesus. He's lingering in the shadows, but then finally everybody else seems to turn aside, and then he comes and he has his moment, and he talks with Jesus then. He wanders off the page in the third chapter. We don't know what happens to him until the seventh chapter. He makes a cameo appearance again in John's Gospel. The uh, Sanhedrin are all upset. The temple police have complained about Jesus. They said, we need to arrest him. And somewhere he finds this courage. And Nicodemus says, isn't it against our law to jail a person without giving them a hearing? And then all of his colleagues say a derogatory remark, saying, well, are you from Galilee too? And ethnically categorizes him. We don't hear again for another 12 chapters till 19, 
and then it's time for Jesus to be buried. Who was it that went to get the body of Jesus? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Nicodemus wraps the body, puts the spices around the body, and they bury the body, which means that he was disqualified from observing the Sabbath and from the Passover that they were about to observe. Imagine that. The Supreme Court justice could not participate in one of the most holy rituals of the whole year that required his participation. He disqualified himself out of courage. That's the second thing about a spirituality of maturity. Aging is not for the faint of heart, but for the courageous. You can age well. The third thing, letting go and reaching toward. Letting go, reaching toward. Did you hear the, God, the, the epistle lesson that Walter read a little bit ago? It used the word mature. It said that children are blown around by every wind and every doctrine, that they don't know what to believe and they're changing their minds and all of this is going on. But yet there are the mature who grow up in Christ, it said. The mature in Christ, and that is the calling to speak the truth in love. I also looked in the Greek New Testament about that. You know, the word mature in the New Testament is the word teleon, teleon. For those of you who studied a little bit about this and that, you've studied teleology. Teleology is the study of what things are meant to become, the end result. On Wednesday, we talked, and Daniel had this example. There was a flower arrangement on the table. And he said, the meaning, the teleology of a seed is to become a blossom. It's in the heart of the seed, but when it's planted in the ground, it's a long way from that beautiful flower that buds in the spring, but it's in the heart of the seed. The, the meaning of it is already there. Isn't it T.S. Eliot that says that April is the most painful month? because the tender seed breaks open and pushes through the hard ground, breaking it open for the bud to bloom. Yeah, aging can be like that. It's the seed letting go of what it was in the form of a seed so that it be can become its teleological eventuality, the beautiful flower. I define maturity as being responsible for our own spiritual and emotional lives. That means we can't use the word blame. That means we can't use the word victim. But being, being mature is being responsible for our own spiritual and emotional lives. Not, ev not everybody can. Children can't. That's why parents have to be mature. Not all adults can. There are developmental circumstances and situations. But for most of us, that's what maturity is, I believe, being responsible for your own spiritual and emotional health. We get that right on a good day, maybe 70% of the time, but that's the goal. It is not sophomoric arrogance or ignorance. It is speaking the truth in love. This Harvard study that I mentioned uh, did come out with six or seven things that are important for aging well. One of the things it said around this letting go and reaching toward is the notion of friendship. It said, the author says, that the healthy aging adult cultivates 
old friendships of those friends still surviving while making new friendships with younger people. That is a part of our vision statement, you know. It's in print that we value intergenerational relationships and friendships as an aspect of our spirituality, of letting go and reaching forward. I still don't know how Papa did it all those years, putting up with us grandkids, but he put in 80 years of it. I don't know if he did very well at the letting go and reaching forward. Don't know how much courage he had. Don't know if um, he was able to long much for God, but I suspect he was. I suspect he was, from what I could tell, able to nurture his friendship that saw him right up to the end. And he was a part of a faithful community, his church, that loved him and he loved. Is that enough to get you aging through one more week as we love one another, as we love God, as we let go, as we reach on? Maybe so. is our tradition that when a word is offered, an invitation to dedication is given. That where we tune our lives to the grace of God. We sing a hymn today that is a part of that dedication. We have folks who from time to time say, count me in. Join the church. Join in with this congregation as we grow in grace. The song that we sing today was written out of the crises in a man's life wasn't that far from that terrible duck boat accident that happened in Missouri this week. The man who wrote this hymn lost nearly all of his family in a tragic uh, shipping accident. But yet, he was able to find grace enough in God to get him through. That's what we sing about. Let's stand together and sing.
Well, each time we gather, we bring all of our concerns and celebrations, announcements, and I wanted to highlight a few of those for you this morning. First, uh, I come fresh off a weekend with some of our young adults in the mountains of Blue Ridge, Georgia. Some of you may have seen pictures on Facebook yesterday of our travails and joy uh, on the Okoe River. I'm happy to report there were no casualties. <laughs> Only one person left the boat involuntarily. All left the boat voluntarily. So, I, and I had no scrapes, unlike my last trip. We stayed up late uh, talking about faith, why we love Northside Drive so much, dreaming about the future. Some of us stayed up so late that we slept in and missed church, but I, I came early to be here. I'm grateful uh, to be here with you. Um, as I've said in weeks past, we're, we're approaching um, a very important day on August 4th, uh, the Interfaith Lead Day for Habitat for Humanity. If you're able and uh, willing on August 4th to help us build a home for Habitat, sign up. There's a sign-up sheet in Narthex and online, and there are other dates available for uh, the rest of the year as well. Look at that, please. Um, we uh, know of many prayers that have already been mentioned uh, this morning. The, the tragedy that's been on our minds of the, the duck boat uh, tragedy in Missouri, our, our prayers are with those families who are going with unspeakable tragedy, to people in our own congregation who have suffered loss uh, this week, um, for, for Gene Hicks, whose nephew Billy died on Friday. Uh, prayers are with you, Gene, and your family. For Joel, whose mother uh, is in the hospital, we pray for her. Um, for Gene Ledbetter, whom I visited last week, you heard me talk about the painting, who struggles in the morning with headaches, longs to be with you, covets your prayers. And then a note of joy, as you heard already, that we have a new baby in the congregation, Brian Knight and Jen Knight, welcomed into this world, little Julia Marie, born on Friday. Home, healthy, everybody good, we celebrate, amen? Let's continue our worship with the giving of our tithes and offerings with music played by our organist, Jeff McConaughey.
all-loving God, we open and lift our hearts to you. How could we do otherwise? For you meet us where we are and you love us as we are. And our hearts express thanksgiving. Receive these tithes and offerings as symbols of our love and gratitude to you that we use in service to one another and to your good world. We pray that the words of the hymn we sing might be true for us, that the day will come when all war shall cease and holiness shall whisper the sweet amen of peace. For it is not the sword's loud clashing or roll of stirring drums, but the deeds of love and mercy that the heavenly realm of God comes. May it be so in our hearts and lives this week. Amen. And so as you prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you. May the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you. And may the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.